Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are continuing on in our sermon series all about prayer. And right now, we are specifically focusing in on some problem areas that we have when it comes to our prayers. So last week, we talked about the fact that instead of praying through, we pray for. So we're not as persistent in our prayers as we should be. But today, we're going to be talking about another problem that we have. And that's the fact that we can be too vague when we pray. So in this sermon, we're going to talk about why that's a problem and what we can do to do a better job of being more specific in our prayers. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So over the last couple of weeks here at Melbourne Heights, we have been talking a lot about prayer. And I know that prayer is one of those subjects that we just talk about a lot at church. So sometimes it feels like there couldn't possibly be anything new for us to say on the subject of prayer. But what we started out this sermon series doing is trying to reach a deeper understanding of what prayer is all about. And to help us come to that deeper understanding of what prayer is all about, we've been looking at something that the foremost missionary and theologian of the first century, something that the Apostle Paul tells us about prayer. And he tells us a little bit about what prayer is all about in a letter that he writes to the churches in the ancient city of Philippi. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul tells us what prayer is all about when he writes this. Paul says, Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. So, from what Paul tells us in these couple of verses, we've come up with a new approach to thinking about prayer. And we've said that prayer is pouring your heart out to God and letting God pour His heart out to you. Prayer is pouring your heart out to God and letting God pour His heart out to you. And we spent the first couple of weeks of this sermon series digging deeper into both of those things, talking about how we can do a better job of pouring our heart out to God and how we can let God pour His heart out to us. So we're not going to revisit that again today, but I do like to remind you from time to time that if you ever miss out on one of our sermons or if you just need a refresher, you can always visit our church website or one of our social media channels and you can re-watch any of the services that we have. But what we started to do last week was to change gears a little bit. And instead of working toward this deeper understanding of prayer, we started talking about problems that we all have when it comes to prayer. Because we all have problem areas in our prayer life. That's right, whether we like to admit it or not, none of us are perfect prayers. And that includes me. And I'm not afraid to admit that I'm not a perfect prayer. Like I told you guys last Sunday, I have been a Christian now for almost 32 years. And over the course of the last 32 years, there have been plenty of times when I have struggled to pray. There have been plenty of times when I've struggled to find the words that I wanted to say to God. There have been plenty of times when it's felt like my prayers haven't made it past the ceiling of the room that I was praying in. There have been plenty of times when I've gone not just days, but even weeks without praying much at all. So I know that I'm not a perfect prayer. And I hope that you realize that you're not a perfect prayer either. All of us have room to improve. All of us could become better at praying. All of us could do a better job 
of communicating and building our relationship with God. So last week we started talking about one of the problem areas we have when it comes to prayer. And last week we talked about our persistence in prayer. And let's just be honest, most of us aren't very persistent when we pray. We do a good job of praying for something or someone once or twice, but very rarely do we see our prayers all the way through until God answers those requests. So we could all do a better job of being persistent in our prayers. But today I want us to look at another problem area that we all have when it comes to prayer, and it's something that Paul alludes to in the verses that we just read from Philippians chapter 4. In verse 6, Paul says that when we pray, we should bring up all of our requests to God in our prayers. We should bring up all of our requests to God in our prayers. And that sounds good, doesn't it? That sounds like something we should do when we pray. We should bring up our requests, our concerns to God in our prayers. And it also sounds pretty straightforward, something that should be easy for us to do. But there's actually more to what Paul is saying here that isn't conveyed in the English translation of this passage. And let me take just a second to remind you here that Paul, he writes this letter to the church in Philippi somewhere around 60 A.D. That's about 30 years after Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. But the English language doesn't even begin to develop for about another 500 years. Okay, So when Paul sits down and he writes this letter to the church in, in Philippi, he's not writing this letter in English. English isn't even close to existing yet. So instead, Paul writes this letter in the language that he spoke, and that language is Greek. And the Greek word that we translate as bring up in this passage is actually better translated to mean bring to the knowledge of. So what Paul is telling us here is that when we pray, we should bring to the knowledge of God our requests, our petitions in our prayers. And I know that it sounds like that's just a small difference between bringing up and bringing to the knowledge of, but that small difference should make a huge change in the way that we approach prayer. Because when Paul tells us to bring, uh, bring to the knowledge of God our requests and petitions when we pray, what Paul is telling us is that we need to pray like God has no foreknowledge of whatever it is that we're talking about. We need to pray like this is the first time that God is hearing about any of our concerns or any of our requests that we're bringing to him. We need to pray like this is the first time that God is hearing about whatever it is that's in our hearts. We need to pray like God doesn't have foreknowledge of what's going on in our lives. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me here. I'm not telling you that God doesn't know what's going on in your life because God knows exactly what's happening in your life. And I'm not telling you that God has no idea what's going on in your heart because God knows what's in your heart. God knows everything about you, so God knows the prayers that you're going to pray, the requests that you're going to make before you ever ask for them. But that doesn't change what Paul tells us to do when we pray. And Paul tells us to bring our requests, our petitions, to the knowledge of God when we pray. And this isn't just something that the Apostle Paul writes about in a letter that he sends to the church in Philippi. This is also something that Jesus has someone do while Jesus is ministering on this earth. And we're going to find this story in Luke chapter 18. So if you joined us in person this morning, you've got a Bible close by, grab it. If you're worshiping with us online right now and you've got a Bible around, you pick it up and turn with me to Luke chapter 18. And just as a reminder for you here, the book of Luke is what we call a gospel. 
Call it a gospel because the word gospel means good news. And the book of Luke tells us the good news of Jesus. So it's basically a biography of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 18, we're going to read a story from Jesus' life where he encounters someone and he makes this person bring up, bring to Jesus' knowledge exactly what this man wants Jesus to do for him. So with that in mind, let's take a look at Luke chapter 18 where we'll start reading together in verse 35. Here's what it says. As Jesus came to Jericho, a certain blind man was sitting beside the road begging. When the man heard the crowd passing by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus, the Nazarene is passing by. The blind man shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those leading the procession scolded him, telling him to be quiet. But he shouted even louder, Son of David, show me mercy. Jesus stopped and he called for the man to be brought to him. When he was present, Jesus asked, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Now that seems like a pretty ridiculous question to ask this blind man, doesn't it? It sounds pretty ridiculous for Jesus to ask this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? It's pretty obvious to all of us what this blind man wants Jesus to do for him. This man wants Jesus to heal him. And when you remember something important here, it makes this question seem even more ridiculous to us. Okay? So this story that we just read, it takes place in Luke chapter 18. And you know what that means? It means that there are 17 other chapters that happen inside of the book of Luke before this blind man ever calls out to Jesus. And when we think about some of the things that happen in those previous 17 chapters, we're going to see just how strange it is for Jesus to ask this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? So let's take just a second and think about some of the other things that have happened in those previous 17 chapters. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus heals a man who has been possessed by demons. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus heals a man with a skin disease, and Jesus heals a man that has been paralyzed. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus heals a servant who is at the point of death, and he raises a widow's son from the dead. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus calms the storm he sees. He frees another demon-possessed man. He heals a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years, and he raises a little girl from the dead. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with those two small fish and five loaves of bread. And he heals a boy that has been possessed by a demon. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus heals a woman who has been disabled for 18 years. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus heals a man who has some sort of abnormal swelling. And in Luke chapter 17, Jesus heals 10 men who all have leprosy. So over the course of 17 chapters in the book of Luke, Jesus has performed at least 14 different miracles that have impacted and improved the lives of thousands upon thousands of people. And now, he runs across a blind man as he's walking into the city of Jericho, and he asks the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? That seems like a ridiculous question. Seems like all Jesus has done up to this point in the Gospel of Luke is to heal people that were hurting and needed his help. He asked the blind man, What do you want me to do for you? Why does he do that? Well, to understand why Jesus asked this question, I think what we need to do is to go back and pay attention to what the blind man has actually said to Jesus 
up to this point in the story. And when you go back and you look at what the blind man has actually said to Jesus, you find that what he has said to Jesus is, Son of David, show me mercy. Son of David, show me mercy. Now, that's the kind of thing that we say in church. It's the kind of thing that you'll hear people say when we're praying. But what does it mean? What does it mean when the blind man asks for Jesus to show him mercy? Now, when I was a kid, my brothers and I, we were huge fans of professional wrestling. So we wrestled all the time in our house. And no matter how many times we wrestled, I always lost. And it's because I'm the little brother, and my brothers were smart enough to stop wrestling with me when I finally got big enough to really put up a fight. Um, but that's not really the point. I- anyway, when my brothers and I, would, we would wrestle, the, the matches almost always ended the exact same way. They would twist and they would contort my body into some form that the body is not meant to go into. And the only way that they would let me go is if I would say, mercy. Is that the kind of mercy that the blind man wants Jesus to show him here? Or I remember in my graduating class in high school, there were a couple of girls that were named Mercy. So is, is this blind man just asking Jesus for some help, finding somebody that was lost in the crowd when he says, show me mercy? Or I remember a TV show that aired in the 90s on ABC called Full House. Uh, and it was long before Fuller House made it onto Netflix. But in the show Full House, there was a character named Jesse Katsopoulos who was played by John Stamos, and he had a catchphrase. And his catchphrase was, have mercy. So maybe this blind man was just able to see into the future, and he was quoting sitcoms to Jesus centuries before they ever aired on primetime TV. What does it mean when this blind man asks Jesus to show him mercy? Well, here's the whole point of all of that. And it wasn't just to make a reference to Full House in the sermon, although I did love that show when I was a kid. But here's the point. When this blind man asks Jesus to show him mercy, Jesus could have answered that request with just about anything that Jesus did for him. Just by talking with the blind man in this story, Jesus has already shown this man mercy that no one else in that crowd would have shown to him. Simply because this man was living with a disability, he would have been ostracized, he would have been treated and shunned by his community all around him, he would have been treated like he didn't belong. So simply by stopping and talking with this man, Jesus had already shown him mercy. But Jesus knew that this man, he didn't want just mercy in general. Jesus knew that there was something specific that this blind man wanted from him. But Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And when the blind man stops, And instead of just asking this vague request to show him mercy, and he tells Jesus what he really wants, well, we'll see exactly what happens. Picking back up in the story in Luke 18, verse 41, here's what Luke tells us the blind man said. He said, Lord, I want to see. Lord, I want to see. And as soon as the blind man got specific, As soon as he asked Jesus for what he really wanted, instead of just making this vague request, the Gospel of Luke goes on to tell us, Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. At once he was able to see, 
And he began following Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they praised God too. You know what? We all have the same problem when we're talking to God that this blind man had when he was talking to Jesus. When we talk to God, we're too vague. When we talk to God, we are too vague. And we end up praying pretty little prayers that don't mean anything at all. And I'll be honest with you. I think ministers and pastors can be the worst about praying these vague prayers. And that's because part of what my job requires of me is that I stand up in front of people like I'm doing right now on Sunday mornings or when I'm teaching Bible studies or whatever, and I pray in front of crowds of people. And I know that when I'm praying in front of crowds of people that if I get too specific in my prayers, that my prayers are going to go on and on and on and on, and some of y'all are going to fall asleep before I make it to amen. So I pray vague little prayers to keep you awake in church. But if I'm not paying attention, if I'm not careful, I will pray those same vague little prayers when I'm alone with God. And I'll find myself praying to God and saying, God, bless my day. God, bless my family. God, bless the sermon that I'm working on right now. And I pray those prayers that way because I know that God knows what I mean. I know that God knows everything that I want and everything that I need before I ever ask for any of it. I know that God knows what's in my heart, so I pray these vague little prayers and I let myself off the hook for not being more specific when I talk with God. But at some point, when I was reading this story about this blind man in Luke chapter 18, I realized something that has changed the way that I think about prayer. And this isn't to say that I still don't pray vague prayers, so please don't catch me after the service and say, hey, that prayer you prayed at the end of church today, it was pretty vague, Pastor. I still pray vague prayers, but this has changed the way that I think about the time that I spend alone with God. So here's what I realized. Jesus didn't ask the blind man to be specific for Jesus' sake. Jesus asked the blind man to be specific for the blind man. Jesus didn't ask this blind man to be specific when he prayed for Jesus' sake. Jesus already knew what this blind man wanted from him. Jesus asked this blind man to be specific for the blind man's sake. Now let's stop and think about how the blind man responds as soon as Jesus answers his request. In Luke 18, verse 43, we were told at once he was able to see and he began to follow Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they praised God too. So Jesus wanted the blind man to be specific when he prayed because Jesus knew that when this man asked for what he really wanted, when he received what he really wanted, then there would be no doubt in this person's mind or in the minds of anyone else in the crowd that God had done it. When this blind man asked Jesus to give him sight, and then Jesus gave him sight, Jesus knew there would be no doubt, no doubt that God had just reached into his life. Jesus knew that that would change this blind man's life forever. But when we pray vague little prayers, it's kind of hard to tell if God actually answers them. Like when I pray for God to bless a sermon that I'm working on. 
What does that even mean? What does it mean for God to bless a sermon that I'm working on? Does God bless a sermon that I'm working on when I'm able to finish writing it before Sunday morning rolls around? When God blesses a sermon that I'm working on, does that mean that I'm able to preach all the way through it without forgetting one of the points that I wanted to make along the way? When God blesses one of my sermons, does that mean that somebody out there listening actually pays attention to what I'm saying and they take the words that I'm saying and they apply them to their life and to their faith? Well, yeah, God could bless my sermon by doing every single one of those things. But when I'm vague about my request and I just say, God, bless the sermon that I'm working on, I don't know how God's going to move. But when I get specific in my prayer, and I pray something to the effect of, God, I'm really struggling with this sermon. I can't seem to find the words that you want your people to hear. So God, help me find the right words for this sermon. And I pray that prayer a whole lot, by the way. But when I pray that prayer, I know when God reaches down and He answers that prayer for me. I know when that writer's block goes away and the words start flowing like they're coming from a fountain. And I realize that God has reached into my life. He's heard my cries, my petitions, my prayers. And He's answered those requests for me. Here's what I want you to do. The next time that you're praying, and you realize that your prayer is nothing more than fancy little words, that you're being nothing but vague as you're praying, just stop. Just stop what you're doing and picture yourself in the story that we just read from the Gospel of Luke. Picture yourself with Jesus right in front of you. And Jesus asking you, what do you want me to do for you? When you're praying for your family, Don't just pray a vague little prayer and say, God bless my family. Imagine that Jesus is right there in front of you and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for your family? And then pray specifically for what you want Jesus to do. When you're praying about your job, don't just pray vaguely about your job. Imagine that Jesus is right there with you asking, what do you want me to do for you in your job? And then pray that specific prayer. When you're praying for your health, don't just pray a vague prayer about your health. Imagine that Jesus is right there with you asking you, what do you want me to do for your health? And then pray that specific prayer. When you're praying to God about your cares, your concerns, your deepest feelings and thoughts and whatever it is that's in your heart at that time, don't just pray vague little prayers about them. Imagine that Jesus is with you asking you, what do you want me to do in these areas of your life? then pray those specific prayers. Now, I want to be honest with you. Just because you pray specific prayers, that doesn't mean that God is going to answer those prayers. But it does mean that if and when God does answer those prayers, you will have no doubt God heard your cry. That God heard your petitions and your prayer requests. And that God reached down into your life and answered those concerns. So what we can all learn when it comes to our prayer life, what we can all do to make us better prayers, to be willing to pray big prayers. To be willing to pray bold prayers. To be willing to pray prayers where we really ask God for what we want, instead of just using vague words that don't mean much of anything to anyone. But pray in a different way. When you talk to God, realize God wants to know what's going on in your life. 
And that God wants you to ask Him for exactly what you want Him to do for you. Put the vague prayers away. Get specific when you talk with God. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this time of prayer, you know that every single one of us struggles to specifically ask you for what we really want sometimes. We hide behind vague words. Sometimes we turn to flattery or other means to try to coerce you and tempt you into giving us what we want. But God, that's not how you want us to pray. When, you pr- when we pray to you, you want us to bring everything that's in our heart to your knowledge, to share with you what's happening in our lives, and to tell you what we really want to happen for us, God. And God, help us to realize that just because we tell you what's in our hearts and what you can do for us, that doesn't mean that you're going to answer every request and petition that we bring before you, God. But it does mean that we will have no doubt when you interact with us, when you reach down into our lives, when you answer the requests that we make. So God, help us to be bold when we pray. Help us to be willing to pray those big prayers. Help us to be willing to tell you what we really want. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode and the sermon has challenged you to be more specific when you pray so that you know when God answers those prayers. Well, in our next episode, we are going to be wrapping up this series of sermons on prayer. And we're going to be talking about another problem that we all have when it comes to prayer. And that has to do with being thankful. So we hope that you'll tune in when that next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're there, make sure that you leave us a rating and review to help spread the word about this podcast to other folks. And don't forget, you are always invited to come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you guys have a great week. I will be praying for you, and we'll see you back here next Tuesday for another sermon podcast.